Welcome back to another episode of NFL in the Zone. I'm your host, Ryan Watson, joined by my co-hosts, Jeremy Wilkes and Joseph Ferras. And this week we have a special guest, Luke Swadron, our resident Falcons expert, which is extremely fitting considering this week we're covering the NFC South. Let's get right into it. Play to win the game. You don't play to just play. That's the great thing about sports. Uh, playoffs? What are talking about? Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. Unfortunately for our special guest, the editorial decision this week was to cover the worst team first. So I'm going to throw it to you, Luke. Talking Panthers. <laughs> Unfortunately, we're talking the Falcons. How do we feel about the Falcons? Obviously, you have a special place in your heart for them. Try not to be too biased. They've got a lot of changes. They've got Marcus Mariota um, under center possibly Desmond Ritter, depending on how training camp goes. How do we feel about the quarterback battle? Yeah, I think the, for the Falcons, this offseason was all about, at the beginning, getting Deshaun Watson. And when that failed, they kind of settled back into this, oh, we're not rebuilding, we're not looking to the future, we're just looking to win. And I don't see how you do that with Marcus Mariota, who started one game in the last two years. But, you know, he's worked with Arthur Smith before, the coach that benched him in Tennessee. Um <laughs> It's a, it's a kind of interesting, the quarterback battle. I think it's one of the more legitimate quarterback battles, him and Ritter, uh, that we'll see unfold in, in camp and in the preseason. Uh, I don't think it's going to produce wins, but I do think it's going to produce an exciting offense. I know we disagree on this one, but I think the Panthers quarterback battle is much more interesting, but we'll get to that later in the episode. How do we feel about the quarterback battle there, Jeremy? Uh, it's a battle for sure. Marcus Mariota hasn't started in a long time, and he's only played a, a little bit over the past couple of years. Desmond Ritter, I think um, he's a good prospect, and he's got some work to do in his development, and it might take a year, which is why I think Marcus Mariota is ultimately going to get the starting spot. But it's definitely a competition. And I think Desmond Ritter is going to be a good quarterback in the future. I, I think he's the most NFL-ready of all the rookie quarterbacks, to be honest. I, I, I mean, Kenny Pickett will get a shot in, in a way better situation than Pittsburgh. But when Desmond Ritter starts this year, and it's not an if, it's a when, because Marcus Mariota, whether, he, whether it's just he gets hurt, which he has done every single year, he's gotten hurt as a backup in Vegas, uh, whether it's that or... It's just the Falcons wanting to see what they have at quarterback before next year's draft. Because uh, you got a couple of good ones there. CJ Shroud, uh, a couple more that are that are interesting to Bryce look Young. at. Bryce Young, of course. Um, but I, I think Atlanta will want to see what they have there. And I, I think you'll see him probably as early as like week three or four. Yeah, before we get to Jose, I just wanted to say that I think having Ritter rather than Pickett on that team and drafting him later. Obviously, you didn't have to spend that high draft capital. But Mariota and Desmond Ritter are similar quarterbacks. They're, they're run-first quarterbacks. So that's going to help with 
learning the playbook and the play calling. Mariota's been around for a while now, so he he's gonna be a, a leader and a uh, yeah a, a guy that's going to come in and be a leader for Desmond Ritter. I think I think Mariota is destined to be a career backup from now on and a, a damn good one. I I would I would say, um, but you Luke, you touched on that the Falcons were in the race for Deshaun Watson. And I'm going to throw this to you, Jose. If you were the Falcons, given what we know now, would you rather Mariota or would you rather Deshaun Watson? <laughs> oh, wow. What a way to start my, my, my bit here in the podcast. Uh, I, well, I mean, like we've, we've talked about it extensively, like from a football standpoint, obviously Deshaun Watson, but knowing what we know now, it's, uh, it's, I mean, I, uh, I I wouldn't want my team to have Watson under center. To be honest, that's just my opinion, and and I I don't want to get too much into it. Like we've talked a lot about it, but I just wanna I wanna throw something back at Luke. Like, wasn't Arthur Smith the guy to actually bench Mariota when he was playing for Tennessee? Um, how do you think that dynamic is gonna come into play here? I mean, he's been he benched him in Tennessee, but he likes him enough that he brought him back when he is now head coach. So, I I think. It, there's obviously that connection there. They've worked together in the past, unlike Smith and Ritter. Uh, I think Smith will trust Mariota more, and um, he will eventually get the start. And as he has been, he's d- been doing all the first-team snaps in minicamp. I don't know how much you want to trust the minicamp snaps, but we'll see in training camp how they divide first-team and second-team reps. Um, as of right now, I think Mariota's the, the lock for, for week one. But I, I do think that Ritter will be in sooner rather than later. Yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense. I, I think that I, I don't hate what the Falcons did, to be honest. Uh, it wasn't a strong QB class uh, going with Ritter a little bit later on. Uh, like I, To me, they knocked it out of the park for the first few picks with uh, London and Ebitiki. I don't know how to pronounce his name, so I apologize. I had Abicati. Abicati. Uh And I feel like... I mean, it's it's a low risk, high reward kind of move going Ritter and and bringing in a guy like Mariota who also has like a, a little bit of upside still. Uh, like I know that like Ryan said, he's probably going to be a backup for the rest of his career, but I wouldn't be surprised if he actually had somewhat of a late bloom kind of season uh, with Arthur Smith. Like you said, I agree. I think especially because it's a good sign that he was willing to bring him in from like an intangible standpoint. It means that. His work ethic was on point in Tennessee, and it was more of like uh, uh, he was never healthy. He was never reliable uh, when playing. So I feel like he could still have a little bit of upside. So I, I love the moves for the Falcons. If it all goes wrong and they get like a top five pick next year, you go after C.G. Stroud or Bryce Young. You know, so I, I feel like the I, I, I honestly, it's probably the best course of action. It, it might even be a blessing in disguise that they struck out in regards to Deshaun Watson. So moving on from that, then talking about next year's draft, depending on where they end up, how do we feel about this year's draft? We're, we're in, we're creeping up to this season. Do we think they succeeded? I know you guys mentioned Des- getting Desmond Ritter later, later on in the draft. How about, how do we feel about all the other picks? I'm not going to posture like I'm a college football fan. So I, I haven't poured through the tape of Drake London. Um, but what I have heard is that, London is a big body receiver. We have a, the Falcons have a ton of those. Um, 
and that's pretty much how they intend on building the receiver core. They brought in Brian Edwards, uh, another 6'4 guy. And I I do have my issues with him from what I've heard. I haven't poured through the film. I'll preface it with that. But he he's had trouble getting open in a weaker college football division. I I those kinds of those kinds of uh of downsides they don't tend to translate well to the NFL. When a guy has trouble getting open in college, especially in a weaker conference, um, they they don't tend to translate well in the NFL. They don't tend tend to get open in the NFL. And, and with a questionable with a questionable quarterback situation, getting the balls in those tight windows when he's not as open as he maybe should be is definitely a question that is going to be answered in the season. Speaking of receivers, though, Calvin Ridler. Wide receiver core has taken a hit with the loss of Calvin Ridley for a one season, an entire season, which is is almost unprecedented, I believe. Um, do we think that that punishment was the punishment fits the crime? As a gambling man, like no, <laughs> like you you shouldn't have been suspended for a year, especially with the discussions that Deshaun Watson's only going to get six to eight games or whatever. Like that is kind of ridiculous. Um, Obviously, it should be prohibited and not allowed in the league. You can't be betting on your team. You can't be betting on the sport in general. And he should be suspended. But a full year for that, while Deshaun is supposedly going to get six to eight games, is completely ridiculous to me. And in terms of the Falcons wide receiving core, Drake London, obviously the, the eighth overall pick in the draft. Luke, I was just wondering what your thoughts were on teams taking wide receivers that high obviously last year Jamar Chase and Jalen Waddle worked out for Cincinnati and Miami respectively but what are your thoughts on wide receivers going that high in the draft I think it's the new wave of of today's NFL that you mentioned Jamar Chase like you saw how big of an impact he had for that Bengals team he's a big part of the reason why he why they went to the Super Bowl um, and you see with with the giant run six receivers in the first 18 picks this year's draft it's it's becoming a way more important position than perhaps years of old where now the NFL is primarily a passing game and you need talented receivers and there's so many now there there're probably like 20 elite receivers in the league and you you if you're not if you don't have one you have to join that arms race and the Falcons don't have one uh, you know i i, I just want to say something look and i know that sometimes when it comes to our own teams we, we tend to be a little like more criterious i want to say like i know i do that with the jazz all the time i mean i i i don't think that drake london profiles as a guy like alden tate just because i i know that he had trouble getting open uh in college but it wasn't as bad as people actually claim there's a lot of like just empty speech going around when it comes to London like oh he couldn't get open he wasn't it's not exactly true like his numbers weren't like amazing they weren't elite when he came to getting open he played with a terrible quarterback as well I know that the metric claims to not be influenced by quarterback play I'm not so sure I agree with that but at the same time I feel like he like he his play speed uh, the metrics for like advanced sets and stuff like that is not bad actually it's way better than people give him credit for I think he was getting open not at the rate a guy like Mike Evans was in college 
But at the same time, he was getting open more than people give him credit for. So I think that he could. I I I don't want to say he's gonna be elite. And honestly, like I watched the wide receivers this year, not a lot. Like again, I'm not gonna claim that I'm an expert on tape, but I I watched a lot just because the Jets were in discussion to draft an wide receiver, and I actually did a couple of picks later. I I had Wilson ahead of of London, and like just from my standpoint, but I think that London could develop into an elite like contested guy like even like DeAndre Hopkins he has a little bit of a similar profile to Hopkins actually coming out of college so I like because I, I've heard people say that oh there's no way a guy who never got open in college is going to be elite in, in the NFL but I don't think that's the case here and uh, I he, his breakout age is was like super young and that's always a good indicator of produ- production in the pros so I, I like what the, the, the Falcons did here the problem I have is that um just the quarterback play. He's going to have Marcus Mariota or Desmond Ritter in his first year in the league throwing him the ball. So that's by no means an elite quarterback getting him the ball. And if he does have trouble getting opened, uh, like Luke said, then that could be an issue because I wouldn't say Marcus Mariota is the most accurate quarterback. And Desmond Ritter, obviously, we don't know what to expect from him at the highest level. But So it's pretty clear that there are some questions numerous questions surrounding the Falcons in terms of how well they're going to do with the questions at quarterback and the questions at wide receiver. Vegas has the over under at four and a half games over minus 125 under minus 105 and they're plus 2500 to win the division. Now what are our thoughts on that over under? We'll can, go to you Luke. Can, oh, uh, oh sorry. I, I want to go first because last okay, week I think I think last week it was uh, Jeremy that had a lock, and I, it's my first lock of the season. Uh, Jeremy knows I I don't like giving over and an unders. No, uh, he doesn't, and he's never confident about it either. But he's I'm, got I'm, commitment issues but, when it comes to I'm, it. He, I'm he going to lock here. I'm going to lock him. here in, in honor of our guest, Luke Swadron. I'm gonna lock the over here. I'm gonna go over 100. percent They have the best cornerback in the NFL. That always Whoa. translates to wins. Yeah, they have like AJ Terrell right now. I think he's the best cornerback in the NFL. He's playing better than Ramsey. He just doesn't have the brand. This isn't like you, Jose. Putting in your lock and making a claim like that. I I feel like low-key and and four and a half. Four and a half. That's just disrespectful. That's the Texans over-under. You know, like that's uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's the lowest over-under in the league right now. uh, Tied with the Texans and maybe the Lions. I'm not sure, but... I, like no, the four and a half. I'm not saying they're going to the playoffs. Uh, you know, like just <laughs> let's get that out of the way. I'm not saying the Falcons are going to sneak into the playoffs or anything. But I think they are more. They have more talent than, than t- like four, five wins. Come on, they're going to win like six or seven games. I do, and I do think that the Panthers might be worse than them. Maybe now that they have Baker, uh, they could like be a little better than I, I expected. Just because Baker's like so much better than Sam Darnold, not even close. But I, I think that the Falcons, and I'm, I'm curious to see what Luke's going to say. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go over, but it's, I don't think it's going to be by much. Uh, I think pretty early on this team is going to realize that it's probably better to get draft capital than to kind of grind out wins. So I, I think maybe five wins, maybe six. And uh, it, it really depends for me on how long Mar- Mariota can stay healthy for. Because uh, I do think the Falcons have a better shot at winning with the veteran than with the rookie. My, my problem is with picking this over-under, personally, is that, like you said, if they get off to a slow start and then Ritter comes in or Ritter comes in early on in the season, 
like this team might be looking towards a top pick like early on it might make a move that can make them worse or because we know the quarterback class of next year's class is uh significantly better than it is this year and I, I think the class overall is just better than it is this year so this team could really i mean i'm not gonna throw the word tank out there but four wins five wins like i feel like it's gonna be around there so i'm i hate doing this because i'm a betting man but i would stay away from this one wow oh, jeremy man. jeremy <laughs> pleads the fifth on the falcons guys um well i mean it seems as though jose thinks that Cordero Patterson is going to carry the Falcons to five wins. I do like the it, running they, back call. They have like, a lot of uh, of like talent on deep. I mean, you mentioned AJ Terrell. I thank you for that, by the way. I think he gets a lot of disrespect from Grady, the media. But Grady Jarrett. Grady Jarrett is is probably one of the best run stuffing defensive uh, linemen in the league, and um, Deion Jones as well. He's he's on the PUP list, and I think he he may get traded, but. He's he's talent. He's a talented inside linebacker. So I think when people talk about like the least talented rosters in the NFL, the Falcons get thrown around. I mean, the Texans still exist. Like the Seahawks. <laughs> I are, said that. Yeah, I said that in our last po- podcast. Like the Texans and, are. And honestly, teams them, teams with good uh, like cornerbacks usually win games. And they brought in Casey Hayward. No, he's never healthy. But if he's healthy, like they have one of the best cornerback duels in the NFL. I guess we'll just have to wait and find out. For your sake, Luke, uh, I hope I hope that you're right, but uh, I'm not so confident. The one thing I am confident in, though, is that Sam Darnold is going to start week one over Baker Mayfield. This topic has been discussed at length over the last three weeks between Luke and I. People think I'm crazy, and you're about to hear why, but I'll explain my case once Luke tries to sewer me a little bit. I mean, it's I, people think you're crazy because you're a Browns fan, but also, the, I mean, Dar- Darnold is worse in every single metric than Baker. Like yards per attempt is is like a full two yards separating them throughout their careers, and you could say Darnold's had uh, worse situations to play in, but I think Baker has also just been better in general. Like he's. He's uh he's just got the better arm, the better vision, the better football IQ. I I think it it would be a crime one to not start Baker against the Browns. Like, uh, so I think at least week one, I I I do think like this Panthers team is so directionless at quarterback that maybe Darnold does start throughout the season. But I think week one it will be the better quarterback, and the better quarterback is Baker Mayfield. Whether he's the better quarterback or not, like they made that deal, they're paying Baker ten mil. Like, he is starting week one. Ryan, I know you're going to come with these blasphemous claims, but Baker Mayfield is starting week one for the Panthers. I'm not saying that he's going to be the answer. He's going to take this team very far, but he will be the starting quarterback in week one. Ryan, I've heard you talk about it a little bit, but I'd love to hear what you have to say and why you think Sam Darnold is starting week one. Okay, here we go. Ready? Point one. Baker Mayfield is coming off, coming from a situation in Cleveland that set him up to succeed he had one of if not the best o-lines in the league he had one of if not i'm not gonna say the best because it's not the best but one of the top five i'd argue wide receiver cores in the league he had a stellar he had a stellar i'm sorry top five receiver (laughs) okay well i may have jarvis i may have been slightly hyperbolic on that one 
But you can't argue that he had one of the best backfields. So yep. a contending wide receiver core, I'll, I'll, I'll fix my statement, contending wide receiver core, one of the best O-lines, one of the best backfields. And what did he do with it? Nothing. He got hurt. He played he well. Nothing. He, he did got, nothing. He got the Browns to the playoffs for the first time in like okay. 30 years. And I mean, the Browns, were, the Browns guys, were 0 and 30 before Baker Mayfield. I came. understand that, but la- the last season he played for them, last season he did nothing of 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 substance. What did Darnold do? Okay, I'm getting to that. <laughs> I am getting to that. Okay, so he comes from this situation and goes to Carolina. In what in what capacity is Carolina equal, if not better, to than the Browns? O line? No. Can Wide I take that one? No. Backfield? No. You could Christian argue McCaffrey. backfield. You can't you can't Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey's one man. He's one he's one running back. He can catch and he's the ball always in the backfield. injured. And he's always injured. He can catch the ball. They don't have they, the Browns didn't if have Baker, that receiving if, threat in the if backfield. Baker is scrambling all the time, he's not gonna be able to put his football IQ or his arm strength to good use the way he was able to do it in Cleveland. That's that's just a clear case of uh I miss you, Baker. No, 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 no. Just I, I can I'm, I can answer you. I'm uh, shitting I'm not I'm not I'm not Yeah, he's kinda shitting I'm on not, me. I'm not <laughs> I'm not But actually, that's how you how like you know yeah. when someone breaks up with you and you're like, yeah, you like yeah, you, know, you talk shit. You yeah, talk yeah shit. exactly. We that's, broke up with him. Let's get that straight. <laughs> uh okay, yeah. Whatever gets you, you know, like through the week. But uh <laughs> the Panthers have a better wide receiver call than 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 the Browns, 100%. DJ Moore's way better than anyone on the Browns. That is, it's, not, it's not even close. Amari, I, I like Amari Cooper, but yeah, I'd say DJ Moore's But Baker better. never He's played young. with... No, no, Baker, Baker never, never played, played with, with Cooper, yeah. So, oh, right, I right, mean, right. Uh, I thought you were talking about right now. It was, like, it was the ghost of OBJ and Mr. 5 seconds, 4-yard dash, Jarvis Landry playing with, with Baker. Like, I honestly, like... I think that Baker could even be better. I, I know that like the defense for the Browns is, is better, even though the Panthers do have a sneaky good defense. I honestly like no, Ryan. I, the, the, the answer for me good. is no. Baker's is gonna be probably uh, okay. the, the starter week one. Okay. Well, I we'll, think there's we'll a very good chance uh, uh, Howell starts before Darnold starts for this Panthers team. True. So you guys are just writing Sam Darnold off never to play in the NFL again. Just He's I think he really had his opportunity. He had his opportunity had there. Had his opportunity with two dumpster fires. No shit, he got burned. But what's different now? He's still in the dumpster fire. Why would they put him back into it? They've got to try something new. He'll play again just because, you know, like when he got drafted that high, you get like unlimited chances. But Tell that to Josh Rosen. Well, hey, he's still on the roster. By the Browns. He's yeah. still on the roster, but when the last time he played was Oh, by the way, Sam Howell's not on their depth chart. Did he get drafted by them? Oh, am I am I, I think tripping? it's Matt Corral. Matt, Matt Corral. Corral. Matt Corral. Matt Corral. Yeah, yeah. I knew it was one of the rookies. Yeah, yeah all so good, all good. But um apologies. I thought I thought he, I thought he was on the Howell Panthers went too. To Washington. Yeah. yeah, I knew it was one of the rookies. Right. Yeah. Howell went to Howell Washington. Went to, Right. Uh, the thing is, like, how is the clone of Baker Mayfield physically? <laughs> that's that's that might be the the case why you mm. you like mistake. He also played for North Carolina, yeah, blue, so the you, blue. with the blue and the Carolina, you could be getting that confused. Um, there was some there were some comments about Christian McCaffrey made earlier. How do we feel about him? Where does he rank amongst running backs when he's healthy? When he's healthy, I mean, you can't like just put him in a vacuum and say when he's healthy, he's this good. Because abil- availability is the best ability, and he hasn't been available. So I, I, I can't say he's a top 
five running back in the NFL anymore, even though when he did play last, he was that guy. He was, you know, the best receiving running back in the league. He was the best in in probably the NFC at the time. So I, I think uh, I, I think when he's healthy, sure, he's top five, but y- you can't separate that from how he is as a player. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, that's the biggest issue, obviously, with him is whether he can stay healthy or not, and he hasn't been able to do that. But when healthy, he's the best receiving back in the NFL. And I think, well, fantasy-wise, he's like the best in the game. But in terms of being on the field and helping his team, I think he opens up the field tremendously for his quarterback. And I would say he's a top three running back when he's healthy. But like we said, got to stay healthy. Like Luke said, he's very rarely healthy through the entire season. And you're still going to put him top three. You're still going to say that their backfield is better than the Browns. On the contingency that he's healthy, that's a, not that's not their backfield. Not their backfield's better. Not their backfield's better. But when McCaffrey's in there, like they're a good backfield because he's doing everything. Like he is, he's a machine when he's healthy. But the problem is they might have overused him, and that's why he gets injured all the time. But he's a machine back there. The thing is, like the the Browns' O line is way better than the Panthers. That's the that's the thing. Yeah. That's why the running game for the Browns is way better than than the Panthers. I I also think Chubb is like a a top five running back in the league right now, maybe even top three. So yeah, no, I, I, I do think the Browns have a way better backfield, but the Panthers, like when he, if he can stay healthy for a season, he's like, they he can't be a 500 touch guy anymore. Like he can't touch the ball that much. He can't drive the offense, have the offense run through McCaffrey because he's just going to get hurt again. You got to be cautious. You got to be, you got to be careful when you're, uh, giving the ball to McCaffrey 35 times a game. Yeah, and if you put if you put McCaffrey on the Browns roster right now, like his numbers would be ridiculous. He'd be he'd break records. Absolutely. So that's why I think he's better than Chubb, but like we said and like we've been saying, he's got to stay healthy. With the questions surrounding McCaffrey and his health and the questions surrounding the quarterback room, can this team fight for a playoff spot this year? No, I think they're a really bad team. I think that they'll probably have a worse record than Atlanta when it's all said and done. I think it's going to be really close. I agree with you. I think them in Atlanta, I don't know why people are like they're two games in their win total. They're two games ahead of Atlanta in terms of their total. And I just don't think there's that big of a discrepancy between the two teams. They get to play each other twice a year. So that might one of them might sweep the other. But I don't think this team's going to win seven games. And um, oh, I guess <laughs> we haven't gotten to the totals, but there's there's my pick. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go with no, too, just because like the O-line is horrible and they probably have the worst coach coaching staff in the NFL right now. Uh, I think Matt Rule is really bad. Like the way he has handled the QB position is just atrocious. I'm going to go with no. I, they, I think they have a lot of talent. They they The Panthers, to me, see, they, they, they look like a team that's going to get a new coaching staff next year and surprise a little bit just because I feel like with a better coaching staff, you could do a lot more with that roster. I think their defense is solid. Like, Brian Burns is arguably a top 10 defensive end in the league, and then they drafted the D-tackle, Derek Brown. They got uh, they have a couple of first-round talents on that defense, and Jeremy Chin is a young guy who, who's uh, who's really he'd been really good in his first uh, two years, I believe, in the NFL. So that defense is solid, but... A lot of it depends on Baker, and like Jose just said, there's a lot of dysfunction with the coaching staff, which concerns me for this team's outlook for this season. If I had to put a label 
on Matt Rule, it would be a hand-me-down version of Mike Rabel. He likes to pretend like he's a player's coach, um, and, and it just doesn't work for him. So I, I'm a, we're on the same page with that one when it comes to the Panthers. Matt Rule, don't listen to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you guys kind of touched on it already. The Panthers are over under six and a half, over minus 115, under minus 115, plus 1,000 to win the division. Jeremy, you said you're taking the under. I think it's a unanimous under on yep. the Panthers here across We're the board. We're all team under. Yeah. Well, oh. Mr. I, commitment I, issues is I, changing his mind. <laughs> no, no, I'm not changing my mind. I don't think it's a good team, but I, I don't think I would just I don't think I would I, I I'm gonna plead the fifth, just like Jeremy did, just because I think they could win seven and eight games, like on, on the strength of strength of a good defense. I, I think the Matt Rule is gonna get fired no matter what. Even if they win like eight games, I think Matt Rule is getting, getting fired, but So does Matt Rule make it through this season? That's the real question. Is he like the number one coach on the hot seat? I'm trying to think, but yes, I think so. Yeah, I think I mean, he's definitely up there. Yeah. Um, but I I don't know. I don't know if uh, when's the last time the Panthers fired a, a coach midseason. Oh it's, well, but uh, they had Rivera yeah. for a long time, and yeah. like you don't fire a guy like him midseason too, right? But Matt Rule, you definitely fired midseason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're roasting this guy. <laughs> We're roasting him. Speaking of uh, new coaching, or not new coaching, but different coaching and questionable coaching, we move on to the Saints. How do we feel about their off season? Let's go with you, Jose. Okay. Uh, well, losing a Hall of Fame head coach—that's always gonna be tough. I feel like I'm. I, I, I want to hear what, what the guys think because I'm not remotely high on the Saints. I know they always found ways to win and be competitive, even after Drew Brees retired. Um, James Winston is just like uh, the wild card of all wild cards. The guy is, just, uh, I mean, insanely uh, volatile. He played actually well last year before getting hurt. He was he was playing decently. They got a lot in the draft. Michael Thomas... Uh, supposedly he's getting back. I'm not so sure about that. It's, I'm it's not like, entirely convinced Michael Thomas is still alive. <laughs> I, I drafted him. I had him in my fantasy team last year, and he absolutely sewered my team. The entire year I was banking him on coming back, and he never did. And I don't know how you can't be high on the Saints, Jose. They have the number one rated safety in Madden. I don't know if you heard about that, but Tyron Matthew... Yeah. Number one safety in the league, according to the video game. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're, they're good in terms of like name brands, you know, with Mathieu and uh, some of like, I feel like the defense, like Lattimore is, is a good cornerback. I think he's like the opposite of AJ Terrell. Sometimes AJ Terrell is really good and doesn't get, get credit. Lattimore is good, but gets way more credit than he should, in my opinion. They got Marcus May from the Jets, he's a decent safety. Um, uh, the, their D line is good, even though it's not what they expected. Cameron Jordan's getting up there in age. I, I honestly like, I and and, and I, I want to throw that back to you guys. Like, what happened in the draft? Like, they traded up, like before the draft, and I like not knowing who was gonna be there. They they got Olave. Like, I, I, I feel like it was a weird draft for the Saints. Honestly, like, I, I don't know. What do you guys think? Was that before or after they signed Jarvis Landry? Uh, it, was it was before. Before. Okay, so that kind of makes sense. Like, they didn't really have a number two guy. I mean, Marquez Calloway was their number two guy before they drafted Olave. But I'm going to be the first to say it right now. The Saints are going to be eating those Ws this year. They're going to make the playoffs, I think. 
Jameis Winston, before he got hurt last year, had a touchdown to interception ratio of 14 to 3. They were 5 and 2 with Jameis at QB. Kamara is going to be a law, a big loss back there. But if Michael Thomas is back and healthy, Jarvis Landry's there, Olave's there. They got a good offensive line led by Ryan Ramchek. And then on D, this D is is one of the better Ds in the league, in my opinion. Demario Davis at linebacker, Cameron Jordan on the defensive end. And then they added Tyron Matthew, and they have Marshawn Lattimore. Like, they've got it's big It's old, names. though. It's an old defense. Mm. Experienced. Swap <laughs> old out with experience. The Saints are going to the playoffs this year. Mark my words. I'm going to disagree. I think there's a reason why Sean Payton is retiring, and it's not because he's going off to live the, the high life in Hawaii. He's he's ta- he's jumping off the sinking ship, and then he's going to get a job for the Cowboys. Yeah, he's waiting for the Cowboys. <laughs> I mean, this this team is in, one, it's in cap hell, so you couldn't really do anything. But two, you make that trade about a month and a half before the draft happens. I, I don't understand it at all. Um, it's, it's not something you usually see in the NFL be, just because, like, so many things change. There's so many variables. Let's say you have a guy that you like at 12. You, you trade for him on draft day because you don't know if he's going to be there a month and a half before the draft actually happens. So it, it, it was an odd move. I think it was just about, like, you know, getting some more – getting an actual difference maker because I think this is, like, the one year that – they they couldn't really bring in any like huge names in free agency because they keep moving these contract, uh, these contract, uh, the the money in in all their big contracts further and further down the line. Eventually, it's gonna catch up with them. This year, it has. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I'm a little concerned about with the receiving core is like Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry are very similar receivers. They're slant slant gods. Like they're not deep threats. If Olave is going to come in there, is that how you say his name? Olave. Olave, if he comes in there and is able to sp- spread the field a little bit and be a, a deep threat, he's going to open up the field for both Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry. And I know Michael Thomas didn't play last year, but he if he's back and healthy, he's a very, very good receiver. So I think they have the weapons on offense. The loss of Teron Armstead on their offensive line is going to hurt, but they still have a pretty solid offensive line, and they're, they're young. The offensive line's younger compared to the rest of the roster. They do have an older roster and an older defense, but they have a lot of really good players all over the field. I'd I'd like to rebuke the weapons on offense cuz like Michael Thomas is not going to be there week 1. Um Who Alvin says? Kamara is not going to I don't know his camp is ghost, but like <laughs> it's it's just this running joke at this point that Michael Thomas is not available ever. Uh even when he does come back, I don't think he's going to be the same guy that's like you know, a, a 1,400 yard receiver. Uh, Alvin Kamara is a massive loss because yeah. who do you have behind him? Mark, Mark Ingram's Ingram. back, baby. <laughs> Mark Ingram's back. You know, Mark Ingram is actually the Big career, trust. the career leading rusher of all running backs in the NFL. He's the most yards. Really yeah. active rushers. He's he, which is he's the next. I mean, I think guys, it's a testament to to just how long he's been around. But that's also not a good thing for running backs exactly you know when guys get to this age they they start to fall off and fall off quickly and mark ingram's already begun that descent so having week one mark ingram in the backfield and you don't really have anyone behind him camaro will be back though like he's missing six games which is huge but their defense is their identity anyways so their defense is aging their defense has a lot of really high-end talent. Cameron Jordan, Demario Davis are both like 
I, I don't know how long you can rely on those guys to but be. We're talking about this season, right? Like, can, can I give a hot take here? Hot take time. The Falcons are going to beat it, it Saints at Atlanta for week, week one, one, right? Yeah. Yeah, the Falcons are going to be the Saints week one. I agree. Is that Disagree. a hot take? <laughs> I, of course, yeah. Well, I, I, mean, I mean, I think the biggest question, I think the biggest question that we haven't really hit on is, is yes, their offensive weapons are questionable. It, the room's kind of split on how good their defense is because of age. Um, but football's a coach-driven sport. They also have a defensive coach as their head coach. Like, now that they hired their defensive coordinator that they had last year. Do you remember year. the last time Dennis Allen was that coach? Yeah, oh. with the Raiders. Okay, but their defense, the their defense was very solid last year. And I know it's aging, but like I said, Demario Davis is a top-five linebacker. You could argue Cameron Jordan's a top 10 defensive end and Tyron Matthews a top 10 safety. But if, if you have top 10 in three different positions on defense. Yeah, safety is not so much of a difference maker. I think the biggest thing for... Lattimore, for, too. Yeah, uh, Lattimore's good. Lattimore is good. But uh, Dennis Allen, like we talked about the Raiders uh, his last time he had the reins of a team. He, he left that job with the narrative being the players didn't like him. And I think going from Sean Payton to Dennis Allen now that he has full control of the team, not just the defense, because I think there is a big difference between that. Yeah, for sure. That it's, it's, it could be a radical shift. Like, this team has been playing under Sean Payton for so long. Every single player that's come to the Saints has only played under Sean Payton. He's been the coach there forever. So now you have this shift, you have this turnover, and some turnover with the, with the roster as well. I mean, you mentioned Tron Armstead. That's a huge loss. And can you take the the questionable weapons on offense, give them to a defensive coach, and just hope that he can succeed with them? Because it's one thing if you get a defensive coach that has the offensive weapons already in place, he can focus more on the defense and, and kind of let the offensive coordinator do his own thing and, and work with the weapons that he has. But if your offense is as questionable as it is, as it is with the Saints – Having is it having a defensive minded head coach gonna work? I question it, and I don't know if that means they can compete with the Bucks for the division. Is their offensive coordinator from last year the same offensive coordinator this year? Because it, it, it's Pete Carmichael, yeah. Yeah, I mean, with Jameis there, he played only seven games last year, but they were five and two, and he was balling out like he was playing really good football. And like Michael Thomas, if he does come back, still a question. Jarvis Landry's a good receiver. He's been reliable over the past several years. And then Olave is a guy who they drafted. I think they have all these guys there in place in case Michael Thomas doesn't get start the season. But I don't think there's like this is a questionable receiving core compared to a lot of the receiving cores in the NFL. Yeah. Okay, okay. So can can they compete for the Bucks with for the division. I mean, that's the biggest question, right? The Bucks are almost if if it were me, I'd say an 80 to 90% lock to win the division, especially with the signing that they made yesterday. Um so in your opinion, Jeremy, can can the Saints compete for the division? I think their their best case scenario is a wild card spot, but I think they're going to do it because I think this team's talented enough and uh, pretty well-rounded all over the field. I think the Bucks are far and away the best team in this division. They do always struggle with the Saints, but I do think the Bucks, the Bucks, their roster from top to bottom, which we're going to get to in a little bit, 
is one of the best in the league. So I think that's going to be hard to compete with. But I do think the Saints are a very good team, and they're going to be a wild card team, in my opinion. Is that a shared opinion across the panel here? No. I, I think they might be in the race just because of how bad the NFC is this year, just how how much better the AFC is than the NFC. So they could be in the race, but I don't think they're going to be I don't think they're going to be over 500 by the end of the season. No, yeah, I mean, the Saints are betting on, like, Pete Carmichael, the OC, he has coached with Sean Payton for, like, ten, more than 10 years now, and I feel like he, they're betting on him just, like, keeping the ship steady the same, like, the same way that Payton did for a while. I, And that's a huge gamble. Like, if that's the case, that's, I mean, good for them. I guess the, the legacy of Sean Payton even takes a little bit of a hit here just because, like, Every time you move on from a Hall of Fame head coach, the team struggles. It's it's almost unavoidable. And and like Luke said, it, there's a reason why Pey Peyton decided to leave. Like he's not done coaching at all. So I feel like the Saints. Uh, yeah, maybe they could make a wild card just because the, the NFC is horrible and someone's bound to get in by accident. But I think that the Saints are not. Uh, in regards to the question, can they compete with the Bucks? Absolutely not. So that brings us to the over-under for this quote-unquote sinking ship that is the New Orleans Saints. Vegas has them at over-under 8.5, plus 100 for the over, minus 130 for the under, plus 400 to win the division. That's a little lower than I thought it would be. Um, how do we feel about that? Luke, go for it. Well, I already said they're going to be under 500, so I'm going to go under. Uh Eight and nine, I think, is this team's ceiling. And, ceiling? Uh, yeah. Eight and nine's the ceiling. Yeah, eight and nine's the ceiling. And I think it's only going to go downhill from here because of how bad the contract situation is. They have these awful contracts where all the money is deferred to next year at the next two years. So they're, they're not going to be able to make any moves. They're not going to be able to, you know, sign any big names. And uh, I, I think, you know, this is the beginning of the Aints era part two. The Aints, I like that. The Aints. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with the over here. I I think you guys are looking more towards the long term. And that's why I think I, I kind of agree with you in the sense that Sean Payton left because this team's in cap hell and their future doesn't look too bright because they're an aging roster. But if we're talking this season, I think they're going to be, like I, I keep saying, a borderline, or I think they're going to make the, the playoffs and be a wildcard team. So I'm going to go with the over here. I think you're getting good value at even odds. So I'm going to take the over. Uh, I'm going to take the under here as well. I think that I agree with Luke. I think 89 seems like a very realistic, like not even realistic, like enough a ceiling for the Saints. I don't think that their offense is good enough to win like nine, 10 games. Again, uh, their schedule is like not that easy, but also like not a murderer's role. Like they, they play the NFC West. So that's three tough games against Cardinals, Rams, uh, 49ers. They have a, a gimme against the Seahawks, I guess, now without Russell Wilson. But I, I think that they're not good enough to win, like, 10 games. And, and I don't know. They could even, like, win nine games and make the playoffs like a wild card. But I think they're going to go, like, 7 and 10 or something. This brings us to the last team in the NFC South. Argu not even arguably the best team in the division. <coughs> Excuse me. They made some... <coughs> the one moment. They made some big moves yesterday, the day before we're filming this. July 26th, 
Brady gets another weapon at wide receiver in Julio Jones. Luke, I have to throw this to you. Who was once a friend now becomes a foe. How do you sleep at night? How was is, how is last night's sleep after hearing Julio Jones sign with the Buccaneers? How do you sleep? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, I was tossing and turning. It, no. Um, I, I mean, from a purely football perspective, I don't think this makes so much of a difference. I mean, you saw what he did with Tennessee last year, so... It's it's not gonna be it's not gonna make or break this offense. From a personal perspective, um, not a fanboy, just passionate about the Falcons. This hurts. I mean, one Julio Jones, obviously, you know, career Falcon, probably the best, maybe the most talented player that's ever played for the Falcons. Uh, you could throw him in the conversation with Deion Sanders at his prime. Um, and and to see him. You know, not only with a division rival, but with Tom Brady, who's famously, you know, owns the Falcons. <laughs> um, it, it hurts. It's it's tough. It's 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 the it, it would be like Julio joining the Saints with Drew Brees, like to that level. And uh, you know, as a fan, I I I don't love it. I'd I'd appreciate if he I would I was rooting on him to go to Indianapolis with Matt Ryan. I think that would have been cool. But uh, this is what we got instead, and I'm not happy about it. I think comparing his season last year in Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill and what we think he's going to do with Tom Brady is slightly blasphemous. The but problem I, I wasn't Ryan Tannehill, though. The kinda... problem wasn't Ryan Tannehill. It was, the problem was he, he couldn't stay healthy, only played first and third downs, and towards the end of the season obviously wasn't on the field. But like, even, even like – after like the first two games he was playing like only third downs only passing downs and it it really like handicapped him i mean i don't think he was healthy though last year exactly i mean he's he's not healthy at all like he's had like the foot issues um you know even with the falcons in his in his latter years with the falcons he he was struggling with that and he never played consecutive downs do you think i have a question do you think like julio jones on the depth chart is fourth behind russell gage like, do you think he's he should be behind Russell Gage on the depth chart? Because I don't, personally. I, I think he kind of, like, transcends depth chart. He's not going to be an every-down type of player. But he's also, like, you know that when you have to make a big play on third down, you have to make a pass. Julio's coming in. And he's a threat. Like, he's going to bring attention to him, which is going to open up the field for Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Russell Gage. Exactly. I, I think this is a playoff move for the Bucks. yeah. I mean, like, he's not going to... Like play the whole season for them, and I—I I mean, they—he could help take off the burden a little bit while Godwin's gone because he's not gonna play for the first like few games coming off injury. But I think this is more of a playoff move. Tom Brady's <laughs> the de facto GM for the Bucks right now, and he knows that in the playoffs, Julio's experience can come in handy. I—I I wouldn't be surprised you to see Julio like take off in the playoffs or like one or two games but i don't think that i agree with with luke which is good because i usually agree with jeremy but now i look here i agree with luke and i disagree with jeremy but i think that, that it doesn't move the needle all that much i think they would be good regardless and i didn't, I didn't say it moved the needle this is better no no <laughs> but i mean this is better for um julio than it is for the bucks where are we where are we ranking this wide receiver core after the addition of julio jones like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are both borderline top ten receivers in the league. I think Mike Evans is, and Chris Godwin's just outside. But then Russell Gage, you saw what he did with Matt Ryan, and kind as the kind of the number one receiver over there with Calvin Ridley out for majority of the season. 
Like, he's a pretty good guy, and having him as your number three, he's going to be pretty good there, I think. And then the addition of Julio Jones, if he's healthy, who knows what he does this year. But just the weapons on weapons on weapons, even Tyler Johnson as their fifth guy. Uh, Scotty Miller. Scotty Miller. I don't even know what guy he is, maybe eighth. <laughs> I, I mean, the, the depth is, is crazy. Insane, like it's just... insane. So, yeah, I put this receiving core near the top of the league for sure, probably top five. They got Vincent Smith from the Jets. I'm just kidding. He's a <laughs> practice squad kind of player. But, yeah, I think it's one of the uh, top five, top three wide receiver. And, and they have maybe the best passing QB in the NFL, a pure passer QB in the NFL, arguably. Maybe, so, maybe. Uh, Disrespect the I, GOAT. I, th- I think he's, he's going to rush for 1,000 for yards this year. Brady? Yeah. <laughs> what about let, let uh, you know, hot, take, that's, hot, hot take time brady goes for a thousand it's yards the on only the thing left you know like it's the only thing left maybe yeah. he's like he bought a cyborg body and <laughs> they'll all be qb sneaks <laughs> <laughs> honestly i didn't love the fact that he retired though just in general and then came back it kind of like it seems like he's like not as committed as he as he was. He's Are you kidding playing, me? He's playing the Are you game. Kidding me? No, no, no. I I understand. Like, and he he Giselle forced him, man. And and he was like, no, two months in, he was like, no way, I'm coming to forty no, days. No, but this is like I the think. first time where he actually questioned. Like, he retired. Like, he questioned. Like, if no. this is the end, and even now that he's back, like Gronk's not back, his boy. But if there's just, one thing that we cannot like question, no, I'm Brady's, not gonna question Brady. I'm definitely not questioning Brady. But it's just something to think about and something I've thought about for his age 45 season. Really, the only thing I think that affects is, um, the. I mean, I think the owner will love it there because now it's Brady's farewell tour and that's going to draw in so much money. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Remember, I think I just a little sidebar here, but I remember there was a Brady's last touchdown pass ball. Oh. Was sold for like five hundred thousand dollars or something. Don't quote me on that number, but it was sold for an obscene amount of money. It was, he and, also he, got like, and he sold it. It was sold the day before he announced he was coming out of retirement, even though his retirement was only like a month. I can't believe I th- that guy. The, talk about loss of sleep over the. For you, Luke, that guy must have been tossing and turning that night when he found out Brady was coming back. Did you see how much that guy got for returning the ball or whatever? It was he crazy. only got like team credits, right? Yeah, it was ridiculous. Yeah, but it's like to I be would fair. ask for so much more. Like I have the ball, I have the leverage in yeah. this situation. Give me whatever the bleep I want. And and he, I think it was like one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars in the credit for the team store, and it's like. Do you really well, need how, that much Buccaneer stuff? How <laughs> much? Yeah, how much do you spend in the in the Bucks team store before you're like, okay, I, I have everything yeah, now. <laughs> I don't need anything more. Is Brady ever going to regress, or is he going to leave on his own terms? Obviously, last season he he left on his or left and then came back on his own terms. But do we think Brady's going to go until the till the tire the rubber on the tires wears thin, or do you think he's going to call it a quits after this year? Yeah. I can't imagine him having a Peyton Manning type fall off a cliff season. But that being said, I I mean he has regressed. He's not in his prime anymore. Uh, he's not Patriots Tom Brady. But I mean he's still good enough that he's like a top five quarterback still. But like it's he has regressed to the point where he's not far and away number one. Yeah, but he's the greatest quarterback of all time. So that's a yeah. Tough, no, I tough, agree. you're obviously going to regress eventually. But if there's one thing I've learned over the years, it's not to doubt Tom Brady. So I I brought up the 
idea of him retiring and how it, it's kind of concerning how he seems like in and out of it, not 100% uh, committed. But you can't doubt the guy. And he's, I just, he's going to ball out. He's got a great roster and great weapons, so there's no reason why he he's not gonna be. Yeah, good but this year. usually for quarterbacks, like the decline comes out of nowhere. Like, like I, I I don't see it happening to Brady like he did to Manning. That was just like bizarre. Like he suddenly was a bottom five QB after starting the year actually playing well. But I don't know, man. Like eating all that tofu and you know, like the tomato soups. And so, actually, he doesn't eat tomato because uh, apparently it's not good for you. But, um, I mean, I, I, I don't know. The guy's not human, so maybe he's going to outlast all, uh, all of us, like, in play in 20 years, you know? Like, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to give any Brady takes just because the guy just defies every logic. And His weapons are too good, and his IQ is too good, I think. I'll, I'll, I'll have a Brady take because I am apparently the hot take guy this year. Or not this year, it's been this pretty, episode. It's been pretty well-rounded this episode, I feel like. We've all got a, our hot takes. I think Brady's one sack away from being retired i think he's one bad hit away from just going from being tom brady to to what to, to <laughs> being what? joe theisman um now i mean technically anyone is that <laughs> one yeah, hit i know I but i think I, the more the the far the older he gets the the riskier it becomes and i think that's why giselle wanted him to retire um, but he's so good at protecting season. himself. Like he's the and goat. taking care of his body. No, actually, yeah, one hundred percent. Not taking sacks. At, that a, at a certain point, um, your your body gives out. It, it gives out. It, no matter how good you are at at evading sacks or pre snap reads, like it's just at some point. I think it's. I don't want to say it's going to happen, but I think the longer he waits, the more likely it is to to occur yeah for sure i have one question for everyone actually um obviously gronk retired and he says he's not going to come back but do you guys think he's going to be back this year in the playoffs i think so (laughs) (laughs) he's the nikita kucherov of the nfl yeah he just comes back whenever he wants gronk's retired from attending training camp i think that's his biggest he doesn't want to grind it out in in training camp in weeks one two and three I, I think he'll be back. Like early on or when do you th- – like if you were to just predict when you think he's going to be back, do you think it's going to be early in the season, late in the season, playoff time like it Jose It depends said? on when Brady like calls him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It also depends – now I don't think the Bucks are going to struggle, but if the Bucks do hit a slump, I think that would be – that would be his calling card for, for oh, sure. And by the way, speaking of training camp, Leonard Fournette showed up yesterday and he was not fat. <laughs> yeah, he, he lost like 20 pounds since uh, since the, the whole commotion. 265 pounds. Or something. Uh, the, internet, the internet is a crazy place, guys. I think I think that's that's what we learned from this. Uh, and, and these guys are freak athletes, right? Like they have the uncanny ability to just melt off body fat. So... As long as you're ready by week one, I would not be concerned, but some people are. Yeah, and the media is blowing this kind of out of proportion. Like, there's not many things that are going wrong with the Bucks right now, so I think it's just the media member trying to stir it up a little bit and find something to talk about a little. So if there's nothing wrong with the Bucks, how do we feel about their over-under? 11.5, over minus 120, under minus 110. They're minus 350 to win the division. I'm going to go over. Uh, I, I mean, this is a very talented team in a division that is pretty much devoid of talent, in my opinion. And uh, 
that the conference itself is is gonna be. I, I think they'll just run away with it with the division win. I agree. I think this is gonna fly. Like I guess you can't really fly over eleven and a half, but it's gonna go over eleven and a half. The NFC's weak. This division. Uh, the bottom teams are weak. The Saints are <laughs> decent, but um, yeah, their schedule is not too crazy. Uh, they they have a pretty tough schedule early on, but the second half of their season, they got uh, Cleveland. Who knows if Deshaun's going to be there? Uh, they got Arizona, who we don't really know how they're going to be this year, but they got Carolina and they got Atlanta in their last two weeks. So I think this team is going to go over and Tom Brady's going to ball out this year. I think this team can finish with the best record in the league this year. Yeah, I'm going to go over too. I think uh, we covered everything. They're a pretty good team. They br- like It's pretty much the same team that won the Super Bowl. You know, like not that different, especially if Gronk comes back. So over is, uh, is an easy over for me. And um, yeah, they could even have the best record in the league. I agree with Jeremy. And I'm just going to ask one last quick question before we wrap things up. This is a yes or no answer. No no explanations to your answer. Do we think the Bucks go undefeated in the division? No, because the Saints no have the... No explanations. No explanations. No. <laughs> He's going to plead the fifth. Yes. <laughs> Just give us an answer. What are you leaning towards? Yes. Luke, thanks for joining us. That's it for us here. Episode 5, NFC South. Next week, we will be going to the opposite end of the compass. We will be covering the NFC North. Stay tuned for that, and we'll see you next week.